Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal subjects. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone you feel comfortable being with. This is Waiting for Seconds, the interview podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are. I'm Malcolm Altkelt, and I'm here with Shannon Miller. Today we'll be talking to Austin Miller. Austin, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I have been Shannon's brother all of his life. I'm not lovely. Yeah, right? I am a hoistman. I'm aspiring to do my... Leather business, aspiring as a novelist, a lot of aspirings, but never official. That's how life's going. I mean, right that's now. the hard part, right? Actually making it official. Yep. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Putting a license to it and everything going on about it and how I define it. Sweet. Well, uh, he's my oldest brother. Uh, so I've known the him. Eldest. The eldest. That's why you are named in my phone. Eldest brother. Oh, I didn't even know that. But I've known him for uh, my whole life. And he's influenced me in many ways uh, that sometimes I come to recognize several years later. Um, But I'm really excited to uh, dive deep into my brother's brain. And uh, I love you, man. Love you too, bro. I'm really excited to be here. You've been talking about doing a podcast for many, many, many years. And in these last, like, two years, you've been really, like, confining yourself to really try to, like, get your your dreams going, you know? Get your dreams going, trying to focus on who you are as a person. And then, honestly, as the older brother, I'm really proud of you because thank you. Some people will say, "Oh my God, I want to do this," or "Yes, I want to start this, and I'm going to start it tomorrow." And then you you actually did it, though, man. You're here. Here you are doing doing something you've been wanting to do for a long time. So, really proud Thanks. of you. Thanks, buddy. So, Malcolm, how did you meet Austin? Um, well, I actually met Austin complete random coincidence i'd call it we just happened to get in the same lobby of a a random online game um just happened to be on the same team together and you know we vibed that's that's long and short of it hung out and yeah yeah i i can't quite remember all of the little details it just turned into hey man you were fun to play with you want to like hang out on discord Uh uh-huh yeah. And then it started off with a completely different friend group. Too. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. very, very different five years ago. And then, yeah, and still throughout all of what we've gone through in life, you're, we're still here, you know? Well, I mean, I, we've both, I think we've both gained a lot from each other. I mean, D&D, Absolutely. shit, I mean, oh, yeah. you introduced me to Shannon, who, like, mm. I fucking love my boy, Shannon. 
This is your boy. This is your this is boy. boy. So. And yeah. I wouldn't have my boy without you. Um. What but yeah, we have. We've played a lot of tabletops together. We've played a lot of video games. I think it's fair to say we're pretty good friends at this point. But yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. can always know more about each other, right? Oh, I, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's actually exactly why we brought you on, as you know. Oh, what uh, a what a coincidence. <laughs> uh, we got some questions that we'd love to ask you. Yeah, shoot, man. Um, well, my first question, actually, uh, as all the viewers at home know, the new year just passed. It is now 2023. Do you have any New Year's resolutions, Austin? No. No? I honestly don't believe in them. Why is that? I feel like it's an expectation you shouldn't put yourself on when it seems like it's more of a fad than something Hmm. you're actually supposed to change about yourself. And then when you take something that doesn't seem so uh, personable to you, you're just not going to do it. Unless it's through, like severe like social uh like like a construct if that makes sense it is like almost yeah. honestly it's like a it's it's like a, it's just like a marketing thing in my idea like if you, if it is that personable to you then you're not going to do it like a new year new me you know you'll just choose to do it and you'll simply it choose to do it and you're going to drop whatever you're doing that you don't like and you're going to you're going to move on you know yeah i think that makes a lot of sense no, yeah, I hate to hype the, <laughs> hate to hype the idea of trying to change yourself like every time during what just when like there's a full cycle of our planetary rotation, and that's it, you know. Change yourself whenever the hell you want. Don't wait for arbitrary dates. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, exactly. And if it's not per, that's that's how life is for me. Is if mm. it's not personable to me, then I won't do it. Yeah. Simple as that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. you don't even go under like how everybody on Instagram goes and say, uh, "New Year, New Me." No, no. I I try to. I I'm usually just a lurker on social media nowadays. Mm. I don't I don't try to impact it much, other than if I wanted to like start. A business or anything like that. Um, I feel like we hype up social media quite a bit, so I. It's a way to stay connected, but it's nice for me to just stay in the peripherals, see how people are doing, and that's it. Other than that, fuck, fuck that. I, I don't. I'm not a fan <laughs> of fads. Yeah. Not a, as you as you could say, I'm not a fad man. Not a fad man. Just not a fad man, dude. One might say. They do say that, though. Definitely. I, I. That's what I refer to you as. Good. Good. I'm glad. He's a fad man. You're a fad, you're a fad man. man. You are a fad man. You. You like your fads, dude. Yeah. You're trendy. Tell me otherwise. You're a trendy bro. <laughs> Well, I'd actually, I'd love to know a little bit more about your and Shan's relationship. Uh, and then, if you feel like expanding more, your relationship with the rest of your family. How close are you guys? How Have you always been really seriously bonded? Or, you know, maybe it's a little further than a lot of people expect. Sure, sure. Um, my relationship with Shannon has 
in the last few years been fucking rock solid because you know we we live together we we try to keep each other in the loop as much as we can um a few years ago though like no not at all we touched bases every once in a while we kind of enjoyed hanging out like during D&D time but I wasn't very good about keeping in connection and Shan was living his own life and what changed? Um, well, we fought for the right to party out here in Idaho. <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to try to pave our way without, you know, without parents, without people in our lives like that, you know, were older and always had something to say. Nothing nothing wrong with that, but we just wanted to go on our own, you know. Mm. And also the economy is in shambles. Yeah. Absolute shambles. That was so. one of the reasons that we moved in together. The other yeah. definitely the other reason was COVID, if I remember correctly. And then the other other reason is we were already planning on moving in together originally. Yeah. So gonna yeah. be in Missoula. Yeah, we were going to try that. It's just there was no well-paying jobs out there, man. No, especially right now. So. I want where our money could take us for. And, go ahead. What about the rest of your family? Have you so, always <laughs> been close with the other family members or is there a similar thing where you kind of fell out with them and. I feel really close to my brothers, my parents, not very much. And I guess I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Don't need to air out dirty laundry on a, a very. Yeah. For everybody else to hear. So <laughs> not unless you want to. Exa yeah. Yeah. Not unless you want to. Um, well, maybe we won't talk about your relationships. Uh, but let's talk about your childhood. Ooh, spicy. Do you feel like your childhood uh, was happier than most uh, other people's? I definitely didn't. I mean, I was. There was always food being put on the table. I mean, I was always financially supported, and I will always thank my parents for keeping it together long enough for that to happen. We were a part of the era, I think all of us were, where we were to be seen and not heard. Mm. Look at how well our child is doing. I am a good parent because of this. Look at how well they are living within this uh, social circle, and they seem like they're with society, and then when you have a problem, it's like, what? You have a problem with how I am being I'm parenting you? Well, we cannot simply have that. I am I am doing everything that I can. And then your feelings go unheard. And then there's resentment. And everything in between. But I feel like I had a good good enough childhood to get, you know, mentally going where I needed to. And now I feel like I'm in a better spot than I've ever been. 
Mm. That's that's a it's been a big deal to me for the for the last couple of years, especially living with Shannon and living with my wife, my future wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been uh, it's been an adventure, and I I'm really excited to be where I'm at now because I was yeah I just simply wasn't happy with myself a couple of years ago. And it had to start with childhood because that's it started with where I came from and all of the things that I've kind of left behind. And I didn't want to worry about. Anyways. So, I mean, you don't seem like... Would it be fair to say that maybe your childhood didn't set you off on the best path, but you found a good path for yourself anyway? Or do you think that your childhood set you going the way that you are and brought you to the place where you are? It is a, it's a milestone. It's something to look back on. Um, I don't blame my childhood for it, if that makes sense. Okay. I use it just as like a nom, like something that I can, I can pinpoint. Something that you know, it's like, hey, this happened, and if you don't change it, you got to figure it out. Something I try not to just dwell on in general, because dwelling on the past too much is like that's kind of just putting on these rose-colored glasses for what you're trying to experience in your adulthood. And I, we are trapped in this generation for lost nostalgia, hmm. and. We just, I mean, just as a general, I just, we just need to get our heads out of our asses, I guess, because we're always trying to look back on something that we did have or we didn't have. And our psyche is like trying to make the best out of something from our past. Right. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of it does sound, uh, like you get really stressed out dwelling on these certain things. I'd like to ask, how do you manage your stress? How do you manage that those those moments where you are digging deep into your brain and you're trying to come out of it? Yeah, so battling with anything my brain nowadays has been a losing fight. And I th- I feel like it's a marker or an indicator for me to do things now. So I do leather working. I do things with my hands. That's what I'm good at. Very kinesthetic learner. And when mm-hmm. I when I do things with my hands, it's therapy to myself. Mm-hmm. Um but it also is a is a reminder of what I was and then what I don't want to be. And so I want to I want to fucking sell this leather stuff. I want to I want to be my own man in my own in my own business. I I do a lot. I do. I I try not to dwell on those things because I feel like for mo- a lot of people if you're getting your brain, your brain's going to outsmart you, if that makes sense. And so you're going to 
you're going to get outwitted by what's up there because you're always going to doubt about what you do. And like, especially when it comes to those stressful moments. And so you need to just do it. And so for me, some of my stress maybe a year ago was, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to finish this thing on time for this person who wants, uh, like a leather product. Don't call us anything specific here, but, and then you just do it and then it's done and then they love it. And so for me, I just try to do things more than I try to think about them because it's not worth dwelling upon a failure you haven't even like conceived. Like you can conceive it, but then doing it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, as in. You can always out. Like, it's not. It's not a failure until it actually happens. If you think you're going to fail, then it almost forces you to fail. Yeah, exactly. But if you just don't think that you're going to fail, then you won't right. fail. You'll manifest your own thoughts and become the person mm-hmm. that you think you are. Yeah, and then that, in a way, of itself is like its own failure, right? But don't think about something that hasn't happened yet. Just do it, you know? And so that's mm. why I, I write, I do leatherworking, you know, getting back into, into sports and everything. It's also especially important for someone who is uh, dealing with ADHD issues. Don't mm. Don't get wrapped up in what you're thinking. Just do it. And I know that's really hard to say i mean it's really easy to say and you know not so easy to do because it could be crippling for people it's like walking in on a chessboard of your own brain like i want to do this now hold on a goddamn second <laughs> you got to think about all the ways you've, you've you you're gonna fuck this up before you even re- before you've even done it you know so but if you just bite the bullet and do it it yeah. gets easier yeah um, doing hard things. It's very important for your growth. Mm. And if if you're stagnant, then you're you're not thinking. You're not you're not doing the next thing. You're not doing hard things. And then that way you're not growing, you know? Well, I'd love to ask if you have any moments that stand out in your life that feel like something that really something that stands out to you that changed you. Whether that is doing a hard thing and experiencing direct growth from it, or maybe it's getting told off by your boss for being lazy, or anything. Do you have anything that stands out to you like that? There's one that comes to mind right now. Maybe it's not the hardest thing I've ever done, or like something that's been the most impactful. But talking with you guys... uh, a hard thing for me that I realized it was done uh, was my first D&D campaign. I DM'd you my first campaign with you guys, and it lasted just shy of three years. Uh Mm -hmm. That was really cool. And at first I was stressed out, and I almost like didn't have hope of like of it actually getting finished. Because I wanted this slow burning, you know, uh, role playing 
rich campaign that I didn't I set very high expectations for myself mm-hmm. and where a moment in my life where I realized I could do hard things and see my goals was the last campaign day where we all sat around during the big evil boss at that three-year marker. And I gave you guys my outro. It was, I mean, it might not have been a big deal for you guys in, in that moment. I mean, obviously your characters are, you know, you're feeling this. You guys were pretty emotional and all that. But it felt really good to, like, see a dream come true in that regard. Because now, like, I'm building off of that dream. Hmm. I'm still I'm still writing. writing for the same campaign, like, just with different people. And mm-hmm. with what I've built off of and what you guys have left behind for me to help build from, people, like, especially with this last session I did with these guys, it was my first session. They were blown away. And I was just going through the roles, man. I was going through the same thing you, you know, you guys went through, right? I just was able to expound it easier because prompts and writing descriptively has been easier for me. But but you did it one time and you just you did it and got it over with and got better at it and Yeah, and then it but then it wasn't like and then it suddenly wasn't about getting over it. Or like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, finally. It was, holy fuck, I'm here. <laughs> you know, you're standing at that top of the mountain and you're like, I did it. Yeah. And you know what? You didn't need like an audience to get you there. You know, you had the support from your friends. But when you're on the top of the mountain, you're all by yourself. And you have the only person there that is the happiest to see your own accomplishments and it's yourself because you're the one that made it there and yeah so that first campaign was me getting to that mountain and for me to to see that it's like wow i can i can accomplish those dreams of me like writing out a very sophisticated and almost yet simple campaign and It's just simply that I can do it, you know? I'm I'm I I am always thinking of new fun ways to write out my tragic stories in my in my in my world and everything now and it really is helpful that we we did that. So Well, I'd actually love to push you a little bit more about I mean, it came up in our intros. It's important to all of us. Yeah. D&D tabletops like D&D. Absolutely. I love them, you love them, but I'd like to ask you why. Why what do they mean to you? Why do you actually enjoy playing tabletops? Are they ne- just a release of, you know, a way to get some laughs out or what? I it's changed over the couple of years, um especially DMing. Mm-hmm. It's turned from how can I make an impactful story? And then I go deeper now. 
and I ask myself, how can I impact my players more? For me, I love writing stories that are going to make you emotional. Mm. It's going to make you think about what your either your character has done or I'm going to strike you in places you don't like. Uh, and that they will be ultimately brought out to the table because you are playing a form of yourself, right? Mm. Yeah. So... I And I'm going to be honest, hot take. I enjoy DMing more than I like playing right now. And that's not because of your campaign and I want you to uh I want you to know that. <laughs> I want you to know that personally. I loved your you campaign know, I and won't I will be insulted, I swear. Please don't. I I like honestly to be the one to set the board. Hmm. Um I know that I have options and the only limit is the ability that I can create. And so for me to improv right there, like about what your decisions are, I'm just as excited about how I'm conveying the story and how you interpret it. And then you, you bounce it back off of me. Mm. So, but and, I'm, and it's your creation that really like sets a different tone than you're a character in somebody else's world, but no, they're a character in your world. Yeah, that's what's really cool is that like I'm not here to tell you about why my world is the way it is and I'm going to punish you if you don't know it. I want you to experience it and I want you to tell me what you think. So and that was that was especially with the first campaign. The uh seeing how Craig, uh Mofrog's character. character, Malcolm's character, not Mofrog. <laughs> he is also Mofrog. Uh and Lumix uh yep. Shannon. I I always tried to like convey things that were like, hey, this is the world. What do you guys think? And I I always hoped I didn't, like, try to make you feel rigid. Like, you guys were railroaded in the, in the story. Um, that, was a, uh, that was a big deal to me. But, yeah. I, it's really impactful for me. I like role-playing games because I'm able to, I'm able to convey my stories. Mm. And people like and... listening to them. I mean, simple as that. And I imagine it's also something about, because like you can convey your stories through writing too, as you've mentioned, you're an aspiring author writing a book, but I think there's probably something to having that collective aspect of a role-playing game where you give and you take almost like improv. Absolutely. That is the biggest help for me to write my stories is because Mm. You guys fill out the characters and you guys struggle with your own character development. Yeah. And through a narrative sense, because you guys are trying to make your characters as meaningful as possible, right? In your Mm -hmm. own way. And so I, 
as much as I like the characters, I like to see the struggle of the person playing it more. Because hmm. then that's the... It tells me the prompts for what make really good stories is what does the character want versus what the character needs. And I know that's... It's something that, like... How do I explain this? Like, for example, Jon Snow in Game of Thrones, first one that pops up in my brain. He mm-hmm. he thinks he is the hot shit when he goes to the uh, when he goes to the wall, and that he thinks he's better than everybody. And one of these days, he's going to be the commander of the Night's Watch, right? But what he really, what he've always really wanted was a father figure. Mm-hmm. He always wanted to aspire to be those things because he desired to be wanted by a parent. And he never got that with his father or his mother. His father was cryptic and then his mom thought that he was in it like an embarrassment essentially. But that that's all the first book is is like him trying to find his place in the world but then be accepted by his uh by some parental figure, right? And so then it it boils down to what you th- what you think your character wants in the world, and then I get to like develop like I think I know what you need. Yeah, yeah. Seeing you, how you narrate your character, helps me like piece together what would be desirable in your like life, your personal life, and then I tie it in with your character. Hmm. That's interesting because I know. This is one thing that I've always enjoyed uh, with D&D, especially for you. You've been creating these stories since we were, like, children, making makeshift weapons and armor just to play out these stories. But with your creation in D&D, it's really, like, set those stories, like, on a whole new level. Absolutely. Yeah. There was an actual mainframe uh, to produce those stories in. And I I just wanted to say that because it's just, it was very cool. It was very fun to see all your stories from my childhood come to life into a brand new world. Yeah. Yeah. It, also, is, another hot, go ahead. Go ahead. This has always been a thing for your guys' life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess. It's not so based in a system that's pre-existing this kind of sticks and hitting each other with sticks in a fun sword fighting way has always been a thing. Yeah. Hot take. Um, D and D is okay. I just yeah, like, that was a hot I thing, like, it's cool. And I, I understand the game. I, you know, I could, I love it. I can go without it. It's just the first campaign that I was conscribing to, to be, able to write stories and it's not because i i it's not an ego boost to like have you guys listen to them for you guys to say it's really cool it's like a it's like an indicator for me it's like okay i write this what do you think i write this what do you think and it's like a constant uh probing and how you guys expose yourself to them it's like okay so this is what happened this session what'd you guys think and they're like oh my god this is so cool or uh eh, it could have been better and 
it's a hard criticism for me. I need it, though. Because I want to write something that everybody can consider, or like the majority of people can can consider good. Mm. But to go back to your earlier question, uh, yeah, it's been a big deal in my life. I've I've always tried to be creative in my own brain. I always tried to find originality in things that I watched, and then I take that and try and make it my own. Yeah, either through making duct tape armor and weapons, or you know, I'd write my little stories and then I I picture them in my brain. More often than not, it always transferred into some form of like a musical piece. So like there'd be I'd be listening to some music when I was a kid, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like a really good fight scene music. Mm. Instead of like for what it is like Metallica is like, that sounds really, of course that sounds like great battle music for any like punk core, like, like game or anything. But I always tried to turn it into, well, there's, there's a legion of these warriors that are fighting in the, in the midst of a common foe with someone else. And that they have to find their way through this battlefield in order to, and then it always just kind of flip flopped from there, but yeah, it's it's interesting the way you talk about uh, like how you uh, design your campaigns. You sound from what I've always known you as is you're neither like an optimist nor a pessimist, and it seems like a continuing trend from the rest of the episodes that. Uh, people are more realist and i'd like to ask do you fall into that category or do you see yourself as an optimist or a pessimist it... do you choose one or another or do you fall into that middle ground honest i mean i'm human just like everybody else i think it honestly changes perspective if i'm emotionally charged or not mm. i see myself kind of i would like to think of myself as some form of stoic even though it's it's been hard to kind of fall into those principles and values when they mattered most, but I see myself when I get angry. It's not. It's definitely not optimism, <laughs> to say the least. And I'll fall into that that constant cycle of of negativity versus what you would want to be, I guess. So I don't, I can't say, I would like to think of myself as a realist, but I don't think it'd be very real of me to say that I am. Does that make sense? I feel like that, it, it does make sense, but I feel like that does put you under that category of being a realist because you're you're not trying to look directly for the good or directly for the bad you are just in the moment this is what makes sense this is um this is how people are this is how people are not i think and that also is like an it, it's that has been an anchor for me to not be emotionally charged if that makes sense the yeah desire to see things from 
an unbiased opinion. It's a privilege I never used to have. Because I was always trying to see it from someone's point of view instead of making up my own indicator for it. My own... I've been using indicator a lot this today. Um, Good word. I guess. Thinking too hard about this. What's the question again? Sorry, I, uh, I kind of got lost. You you are grateful uh, for the... That you can now think freely on your own without thinking... Yeah. Uh, with other people's influences. Yes, okay. So, and then now, when you start thinking on your own terms, instead of taking someone's side or anything, people start calling you a pragmatist. Which, honestly, is definitely a medal on my shoulder, man. If you can't... If you can't come up with your own desired independent thought and then put it out there as your own opinion, then you're a slave to someone else's opinion. Mm. If you want to be thought for everybody, someone's going to think for you and they would like to think for you. And so I, I really try to focus on that, I guess. Well, I'd love to ask you, uh, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned, uh, your soon to be wife. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like to ask you a little bit about what exactly your thoughts are on, you know, trying to get close to people, trying to advance relationships, uh, especially ones like that, romantic relationships. Uh, it is often in society a man's role to advance those relationships, to ask you somebody out on the first date and to prompt further What's the word? Like Further advancement. Person, you're yeah. the one. You're the one that's going to push the envelope on a relationship. Do you think that's a good thing? Is that a thing you like doing? Uh, in your experience, is that a thing you'd rather not do? Absolutely. I. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't have it any other way. For me to point out and say, like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Hmm. Let's me know that I can. I can go with a happy heart to say like, yeah, I do want to marry you or yeah, let's take it to the next level, you know, or Hey, it's time to make, you know, a big boy and a big girl decision here. So we got to talk about this or, and I think that it is important for a man to do so. It, it's defined by how you want to take it, wherever you want to go. Mm. But f for me, I think it's the healthiest for a male to perform those acts. And can I ask why? It's in our DNA to take charge in one thing or another, whether that be in a relationship, whether that be in your job. Um, and that goes for anybody that goes for women and men for you to take charge in something that you like doing or something that you are responsible for. For me, I think that the happiest I've ever been in a relationship is when there are decisions being made. And I am happy to make those decisions. And then my wife will also make those decisions as well. Um, not this, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And it lets you know that you're definitive about what you want. And 
it's easier to interpret what you want from what you uh, get. So if I get a I don't know, then I don't know either. Unless I say the yes or the no, and then you follow through with it or you don't like it. So and it sounds like you you like it because you like being able to take action. And... Yeah, not because I like necessarily taking charge. It's just a thing that's like, okay, so I can either sit about this and think about it for a week and not get anything done, or mm -hmm. I can ask the wife and then we can come to a decision in 20 or 30 minutes that lets me know what we can do in the future. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as a as a man, it's I think it's just important to uh to live by that role. Now, if you don't want that expectation on you, we live in a day and age that you don't have to have that expectation on you if you don't want it. But from how I live, I can only go by the experiences that I've lived. So for me, as who I am, I feel more fulfilled taking that leadership role than not. Mm. All right. Well, I'd love to go ahead and ask you about... So, in previous episodes, we've talked about Shannon's experiences with religion, but I'd like to ask you if you have shared experiences with your religious upbringing and how you express your religion or your spirituality now. Well, I guess I can always just start from the beginning and like work my way up mm -hmm. because and then yeah. if you agree then just put your put your two cents in you know yeah. or if not you know i would like to hear that too well i i've already kind of discussed my religious views in earlier mm -hmm. episodes and i completely know that we have different takes on it because uh we went to different schools. You were a lot older when we went to different churches as as okay. children. Uh, so you also have that perspective. Um, and I mean, since we went to different schools, there's pieces of that school. Um, we just have a different perspective. And I have already discussed mm -hmm. mine. Sure. And I just want to hear what bits so... and pieces that you had I guess it's always going to go back to childhood here for that it has been an indicator I live life on indicators I guess the first time I went to church I was super ecstatic that there was this way of life I've always heard about but never truly expressed on and I was able to partake of until that very institution just really got me tired of it. It started to become a numbers game, then it became about spirituality. And so I guess it's a culture I live by, but not something that I go and perform anymore. It felt like something, especially down the road, it felt like something that I had to do versus something that I wanted to do. And I'd have bouts of, like, 
hyper spiritualistic moments where I was like, wow, this this feels really good to me right now. And I feel close to my deity. And now I definitely take it from more of a philosophical perspective on it. I have a hard time trying to feel connected that way. It has some to do with uh, family, but more often than not, my religious group has just failed me on a lot of points that they are hypocritical about. Mm. I I want to know, this is just me asking about memories. Yeah. Uh, the Lutheran Church that we originally started going to before we went to the Adventist Church. Yeah. What was that like for you? I don't remember really any of it. So I just want to hear about So that. that was like before the time I felt interested in church. I felt like, oh, who's this God guy, you know? And it wasn't enough for me to dig deeper other than, holy shit, we got snacks here? <laughs> and friends? Dude's oh got my they got yeah. snacks? Bro, they got snacks, dog. I'd go to church if they got snacks, though. And what was cool about the church that I went to, and I thought all churches were like this at one point, that our church was in a historical museum and a science museum. That's right. Oh, that's kind of yeah. hype. If, right? And so, like, when service was over, or, like, because... They had their church service, and then while they were having their church service, we were in our own conscribed daycare, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have that like church family experience. We were we were always playing the fun games and everything. And so I thought like God was just like a fun time, essentially. And then when you got out, we could wander around the museum a little bit. And so we saw, like, some of the stuff was closed because it's a Sunday. They didn't have anything else open. They wanted to make sure that that was open for everybody else. Uh, was, you know, for the church covers and everything. But to, to be able to go just, like, wander through and be like, oh, shit, this is what a dinosaur looks like? Like, in real size? Unheard of. <laughs> Unheard of. <laughs> you know, like, and that's me as a kid. Um... It certainly provoked my desire for history because I was able to to like sit and watch all of the all of especially the like state history. Shit's mm. wild in, in Washington. There was a lot of <laughs> a lot of promises that weren't kept during the you know during the gold rush and everything and like the lumber industry is really cool. And they shared a lot about that. But more often than, <laughs> than it was an actual church thing, it was just really cool to just go check out, like, how old the Earth was. Because it, it wasn't... It definitely wasn't a... Uh... Oh, that's an interesting perspective. It wasn't a church museum. It was certainly like, oh yeah, God is cool. And then they talked about how they, through the crustaceous, the crustacean period, or through the, 
I'm sorry, you're gonna have Cretaceous. to cut that out. It's so Cretaceous. That was retarded. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not like okay. through the Cretaceous period. Uh, Nailed it in one. First take. The you can find these fossils, you know, millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's <laughs> in a weird way. I guess my my the logos on my life has like always had uh, the other side to it. If that makes sense. That's the, your first real church experience was like a very scientific nature. Yeah, in a weird way. That's interesting. So, yeah, so like we'd we'd be singing about God in one room, and then once it was time for my parents to pick me up, I was like, "Now let's go look at the dinosaurs. Let's go look at the uh, let's go look at the natural museum, you know, shit like that." Before we headed home, mm-hmm. I remember that that was that was an interesting time. Yeah, but then religion came more important to me. Uh, when I turned 11 or 12, we went to a camp meeting, and camp meeting is where a ton of these churchgoers come together for seminars, uh, to be able to, uh, like, meet with connections with other churches, and to share what you know through your, through your lens and perspective of life through the church. Mm. So, like, there'd be seminars on how to eat health like in a healthy way and like have a vegetarian diet and be uh one with one of god's laws kind of deal you know and here's a fun way to do it because god loves you and god loves you the temple of your body and shit you know um there was also other ways that you could like read the torah you know the jewish bible and how you can interlink that with commentary with uh like the king james version of the bible and stuff Hmm. So it was, and then it got even more wild when I could go to a camp where my parents were at, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, summer camp! I can be, I can be at somewhere different for like a week." <laughs> and then that's when that's when it really impacted me the most because like everybody was like on fire for it. Everybody was on fire for God, and then. Once that hype was over, it was really like, dang, I have to go back to my normal life. And I can never bring that happiness, that same excitement, that same joy back home. Did you feel that going into your summer camp experience, Shannon? Well, I mean, I don't really remember my summer camp experience that much. I remember more of working at the summer camp um because i was only there for like a year i had a good time but it was not the same perspective as maybe you did where it was more about the religious aspect of it for me it was just a summer camp that no parents new friends yeah exactly new things i absolutely started off as that and i was very excited about it. I was so hyped. I was like, oh, no parents? Sign me up. Whatever I need. Sign me up. <laughs> Get out of the house. Because, I mean, at that time, our parents were just still not doing well. 
And it was always like a, it was always upheaval at our house. And so, um, mm. I've been practicing escapism for a very long time, either physically or mentally. I'm joking. Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> you guys looked like you guys looked like you were like, oh, uh-huh, I see. I mean, sorry. So I almost got escapism. I, I, yeah, you, you okay. gotta. You got a gotcha moment. Out of <laughs> it kind of did, yeah. No, I it just well, proves your joke is bad. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, maybe <laughs> I just, just trash. Yeah. Yeah, bad joke, bad you. But um, bad joke, bad you. But escapism isn't so bad. You, you know, sometimes you need a break from this reality. Go play some video games or go yeah. write a D and D campaign. You know. Yeah, being able to escape from you know, often very monotone life. Go, yeah, you know, you got work it. on leather or something. Yeah, yeah, that's been it's been a really helpful one. A lot, you know, be able to make something on a different note and then be able to manifest it and then sell it to someone and then for someone to be so excited about it, like holy shit, I just got this genuine leather holster. And I could <laughs> slap it into my, you know, I could slap it into this gun and it fits perfectly. Yeah, it makes me feel good. That's one of those, like, ooh, serotonin hit. Really excited about that. And I try not to base what I live by with everybody, what they, what everybody else's opinions are on them, right? Mm-hmm. But I gotta admit, it makes me feel good that someone likes what I created. They couldn't do it. They paid me because they couldn't do it or they didn't want to do it. Yeah. And when I created, they were like, wow, this is really cool. So, um, I think this is very apt for having both of you here. Um, and Shannon, I'd like to open the floor up to you too here. Yeah. I want to know how your guys's relationship with family exists. So, a lot of people define family as blood, and obviously you two are blood-related, but do you both define family the same way? Is it just blood, or is there something else that matters perhaps more than blood? If you don't mind, Austin, I would like to go yeah, first. Go for it, man. I definitely think we live in an era where family is no longer about blood hmm. you've you've got your personal family which is which is great i i think uh to treat them any different than anybody else though is unacceptable to me uh if i can't treat somebody like they are uh, very close to me, then I just, it makes me feel icky inside. Uh, my family is the people I surround myself with, the people who I choose to have, uh, with me to influence me. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that I just give a very flat respect to but then my family is the people i would protect i would 
uh, go to war with, and do whatever with. Because they're the people I choose to uh, surround myself with. Hmm. And I think to, ha- to, to be able to choose that is not something we were able to do in the past decades. But to do that now is is very cool and and very awesome because I feel more free to be with the people I I I love. Yeah, kind of bounce off of that. Shannon, my other brother, and myself. We are on my mom's side alone. We have like eight aunts and uncles. Ooh. But yeah. only two of her blood-related, f- if I remember right, it's like two other uncles. They're the only ones that like try to keep in touch with us, at least with me. And then after that, no one else. And it, especially in our day and age, I think it's really important to know where you belong. Either it is with blood family. Or it's not at all. Or there's like a little mix in between, I guess. But for me, I found the most family when I walked away from my first one. I was able to... I I felt more safe with people that... That understood me instead of being out of obligation. You... I fed and clothed you. I must know you. No, you don't. And as much as I will always give you the respect of helping me get where I'm at here, you know, physically, you know, it was always lost on most of my family members to see me in a way where I, I felt heard to be understood. Not just like, oh, okay, I, I heard you. But then, like that deeper, that deeper listening, and so, yeah, we, uh, my wife and I have found our own little family out here, mm. and that's really beautiful. Yeah, and I, and I think it's going to go back to what Shannon said. It's going to be with the people who I love. I love my brothers. Even though I some I don't call them all the time. I don't check on how they're doing 100% of the time. You know, I love them to death. And if I was to lose any of them, it would really break me on... Feeling like I actually have, like, blood family that gives a shit, you know? Well, I think that's really beautiful, man, and... uh I would love to wrap up there. Okay. It's been a great time. Yeah. It's been really good talking to you. Yeah, it's been a hot second, man. Gotta yeah. play some gotta play some Steam games. You know. Yeah. Try to try to get involved with, you know, my family again. <laughs> well, before we end uh end the podcast, I've got a couple housekeeping things I must do. Uh, first, I want to say 
Thank you to Miss Nadia Diaz for our podcast cover art. Her Instagram is at arthead_creations. No spaces, no capitals. That is at arthead_creations on Instagram. Um, and then, of course, the person who makes our intro and outro for our podcast, Jensen Krull. Uh, a couple months ago, he released a demo for a musical that he's been working on for a couple years now. The song is called Knocking on Doors for his musical Tea Time. Uh, you can find the song on most platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music. That will also be linked in the description. Um, but thank you, Austin, for coming on the podcast. I know I asked you in short notice, right. but it was really good to listen to you some of the different perspectives that you had versus I had. And I've learned uh, more things and I'm very grateful for it. I appreciate being able to be a part of your life enough to get on a podcast. Especially one that you own. (laughs) So that's really cool, man. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You're an old man. You're an old man. Suck a dick. Suck my dick. Fuck you. What are you fucking? Suck your own dick, bastard. What are you fucking? Almost twenty now, dude. No, you don't even know my life. I am twenty. He is twenty. I know. I I I raised you. (laughs) (laughs) You wish. Truly, you wish. God, this is gonna be so funny. Hey, if I did raise you, I did it right. You know what I'm saying? That's all I gotta say. God, I should do. I should play this before the intro, and it's gonna be really funny. I raised you. <laughs> <laughs> I raised. Hey, that's you. fine. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, do 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 do